right, welcome back to the broadcast presented by JAG One Physical Therapy. This is our Women's History Month special, and we've got quite the cast joining us this week. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce my co-host for this episode is going to be Maggie Johnson, uh, Columbia softball class of 2011. She works in the development office. I'm sure if you're a uh, Columbia regular, you've definitely seen her around, and she's probably giving you a few phone calls. So Maggie, thanks, thanks for taking some time and joining us. Thanks for having me, Kyle. And yes, you've probably all heard from me. Don't forget to answer your phones then. <laughs> and so we have two Barnard College alumni. We have Ari Bros, Barnard College class of 1984 from the track and field team. So Ari, thank you so much for taking some time today. Glad, glad to be here. Thank you, Kyle. And we also have Philippa Portnoy, uh, Barnard College class of 1986 from the women's tennis teams. Philippa, thank you. Thank you. I love doing this, these programs. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we also have two current student athletes. We have Kelsey Farkas, a senior on the field hockey team. And we have Sydney Scott, a junior on the track and field team. So Kelsey and Sydney, again, thank you for taking some time to join our Women's History Month special. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. All right. We've got all the introductions out of the way. We're good. We now know who everybody is. Um, First question I just want to ask, and I'm going to start with our Barnard College alumni and Ari, I'm going to start with you. Um, first, can you just really broad question, uh, Women's History Month, the month of March, uh, you know, reflecting back on your Columbia career and your professional career, uh, how much does, does this month kind of mean to you in general? Wow, thanks for a very broad but um, good question, Kyle. Um, so I, as a Barnard alum, um, I feel very strongly about women's place in the world. Uh, and uh, Barnard certainly supported me throughout the, the four years I was there. Um, and being part of um, an athletic team for me was a really um, critical sort of part of my, my growing up and, and becoming um, confident in, in what I could do, um, as well as many of the other things I did on campus. But um, when I think about myself as a professional, certainly all the things I did as a team uh, player, um, even though cross country and, tra and track are really individual sports, you still you still practice with a team and your teammates really continue to um, make you excel or push you to excel. So I think that uh, that part of being on a team, I still do today. I, I am a program manager and I lead teams um, and I'm, it's really important me for me to work with a team that um, works together and encourages each other. And that's the way I, I um, encourage people to move forward. So uh, women in my life who've been um, you know, mentors and, and uh, both at Barnard and in my, in my professional life continue to be important to me. And I think that's why this month is a great month to be recognizing that um, and as women generally, because we've done so much in the world. So thank you. And, uh, you know, having, and I'm going to ask Philippa the same question, but having attended an all women's college um, and having those role models, you know, and those, the, the future, of you know, the future of our country, the future of the world kind of with you at Barnard College, uh, kind of reflecting back, how much did the Barnard College experience really uh, empower you through your career? It, 
it certainly gave me the confidence um, to be the person I wanted to be at all times. Um, and I know there's, uh, even back when I was at college, there was a wondering whether women's education by itself was important enough. And certainly um, those of us who were there during the Columbia College going co-ed years and the whole resulting in the consortium, the um, athletic consortium wondered whether there was still a place for women to be um, you know, educated in a single environment. And I really believe, and I still believe, and clearly a lot of other young women believe that it is, it's, it is important because you get to be, um, have your own ex, um, experiences, your own ideas, test yourself in, in around among women that just like you, as opposed to competing with, with men. And uh, it's just a different environment. Um, so I, I actually credit Barnard quite a bit in giving me the confidence and, and, the, and the people I was allowed to be work with and do things like student government, music, um, athletics. Those were all things I wanted to do. And I was given carte blanche in a sense to go ahead and do whatever I wanted to do. So um, I think that it's been very important for me to have that Barnard grounding. And before I move on to Philippa, I did want to ask you, um, could you actually, should have asked you this first, can you first introduce yourself to everybody? You know, uh, obviously we know that you're Barnard College class of 1984, you were on the track and field team, but what did you, for, you know, people that don't know you that are listening to this podcast, what did you do after college uh, in your professional career and where are you now? Um, thanks for asking. I, uh, after um, Barnard, I was um, an, a very interested in music. I had founded the Barnard Vacante when I was, on, I was on campus and really thought I wanted to go into music administration, did that for a couple of years, but then um, ended up in, in law school uh, down at GW in, in Washington, um, practiced at the Securities and Exchange Commission for a couple of years, then went off to Wharton, got an MBA, and did a management consulting for um, almost 15 years. I'm, I'm actually back at the Securities and Exchange Commission now, both as an attorney and as a program manager and helping improve processes around the agency. So that's a quick, quick thumbnail sketch. Nice. Well, we appreciate you again joining us and we'll certainly come back to you later in the podcast. I'm going to move our attention now to Philippa Portnoy, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, women's tennis class of 1986 from Barnard College. So Philippa, I will ask you first, as I should have asked Ari uh, the first time, can you first just give everybody a quick introduction of yourself, maybe for our listeners who, who haven't met you before? Sure. I'm a class of 1986. I also went to Columbia Business School. I worked in the aviation industry for 10 years. And um, I think that's one of the ways that being an athlete and being a Barnard alum it really helped me. It was a very male dominated industry. And I always felt like I had the confidence to speak up for myself. And Barnard always encouraged me that, you know, it's nothing you can't do. And so I really do think it helped me succeed in the business world. Um, you know, I love giving back to athletics. And another thing that I've done is I was a co-founder of the Women's Leadership Council, which is a leadership group that helps support female athletes. And so I really enjoyed that. And um, I just love being an alum. I love being an active alum. And I really appreciate Barnard and the Columbia Athletic Program. I think it's amazing how far we've come since my days of being on the team where we have practice at 6.30 in the morning. And I could go on and on, but... Um, I'm happy to be here and answer any other questions. Well, I do want to ask you a similar similar question to what I asked Ari, and uh, can you let everybody know kind of who have been your role models uh, in your career as your life has progressed and maybe they've changed from the time that you were in Barnard until now? Yeah, I think I had a lot of role models um, at Barnard. You know, I was very close to Dean Blank, Dean Denberg. I felt like there was a lot of support from uh, Barnard professors as well for athletes. Um, 
And then I think in my career, I had female role models. I had a very um, strong female boss at Citibank who was very tough, but um, she was great. So I think um, I've had a lot of female role models who've been really amazing. And then I have my teammates from college who I'm extremely close to, and they're my role models also. They've all been really successful in the business world. We're all very close and we support each other no matter what. Have, uh, and this is a question go to either Philip or, or Ari, but uh, have you become particularly close maybe with any Barnard grads that you know weren't at Barnard at the time that, that you were there, maybe somebody uh, that started, graduated maybe five, 10 years later, maybe even, maybe even more than that, and then maybe worked in your field and you got to know them, know that they went to Barnard and kind of took them under your wing? So I, you know, I, there is a couple of uh, Barnard athletes who I've gotten to meet through Varsity C um, and uh, Rachel Pauley, Patricia Reardon Shallion. Um, one is a field hockey player, one's a tennis player. And, you know, it's just great. I meet all these other female athletes when I go to these alumni events and we all support each other. Um, you know, I try to make connections for anyone I can in terms of jobs. And we also still do that for members of the tennis team today and for other female athletes. Yeah, and I was gonna say, um, I was the um, president of the Alumni Association of Barnard um, for several years and, and met so many alumni and got to know um, some, some young women um, and, and older women, frankly, that I've kept uh, in touch with over the years. I learned on a fundraising call a couple, um, this, this past year um, that a young woman that I'd gotten to know at a reunion one year, um, she, she continues to do fundraising for Barnard. And she's like, but you're my hero. You know, you're the one that inspired me to do that. I'm like, I had no idea. Um, another woman I met through a friend of mine uh, working at an agency here, she heard that I was at Barnard, uh, Barnard alum. And so we've actually become friends over time. Um, and um, Susan Lee, and she's now leading up, I think through a little bit through my inspiration, her uh, 50th reunion uh, class um, preparations committee this year. So um, feeling like I've certainly made connections with uh, Barnard women over the, over the years and, and Columbia women, I have to say, just the, um, my connections with the, uh, the um, track team and, and the Women's Leadership Council. I found my track team here down in Virginia after um, talking to some track, uh, track uh, fellow track alum uh, about where I could uh, meet up with a team down in, in Virginia when I moved from New York City. So that, that was a really nice Columbia connection. And I would also, you know, echo what Ari said, like, you know, two of my closest friends are Donna McPhee and Lisa Carnoy, who are both Columbia athletes. I mean, it's all one women's community, Barnard or Columbia or engineering or what have you. And we're all really close. And I really value all of our friendships. Agreed. Uh, it, it's interesting because when you guys, when you ladies rather, um, were looking at colleges and applying for college in, in the early eighties that, Columbia College wasn't an option. Um, how, how did you determine that Barnard was going to be your place? And then if, if either or both of you could touch on what it kind of felt like to go from your experience as a Barnard bear to the transition of, of this influx of, of Division One athletes who may or may not have been recruited and were going and pioneering this new Columbia College women's effort. I'll start. Um, I went to Barnard for many of the same reasons other women <laughs> went to Barnard. We call it the quadrant, I think, um, a small liberal arts college in New York City. 
um, with associated with a big university. And I think there's a fourth one, which I can't remember. Um, I went for most, almost all of those reasons. I got into other small liberal arts colleges um, and other women's colleges actually, but um, wanted to be in New York City. Um, I was not an athlete when I joined. Um, I walked onto the um, track team as a, as a sophomore um, and ran um, division three in my junior year and was one of the top three runners on the team. Um, when we went to division one, my senior year, um, admittedly I had one year of you know, tr track running under my, uh, my belt. It was, it was, um, it was amazing, um, but I was really well, way over my head, <laughs> honestly. Um, and one of my crowning um, sort of non-achievements was running on the 10K race at um, the relay, uh, the, the championships, uh, the Ivy championships up at um, Cornell and passing out, you know, from heat exhaustion oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> and worried that I wasn't going to graduate. Um, but I ran against some fabulous runners um, who, whose names I read later, you know, in the, um, in, as they had great success in other places. Um, but it was, it was fabulous to be, have that opportunity, but I certainly, I pushed myself as a result, um, but it, it was a great experience and I still love competing. So I still do it. And, um, you know, I selected Barnard because I actually grew up in New York City. I really love the city, want to have a nice urban environment. I really didn't know what I wanted to study. And I felt like a broad-based liberal arts curriculum was a good choice for me. Um, and like Ari, I was a walk-on. I played all four years, wound up playing number one for a couple of those years. And um, boy, what a difference between, you know, the beginning and the end. I wound up winning the Seven Sisters Championship and then like hardly winning matches in the Ivies, you know, later on. Um, but, you know, we made progress and it was, it was, you know, I, I loved the whole experience. And the two of you talk about how far uh, women's sports, not just in Barnard and Columbia, but how far uh, women's co collegiate athletics and women's professional athletics uh, from your perspective have come since your time as an athlete? I think it's um, you know amazing. I think we've come a long way. We're not there yet. I mean, I think at least in my sports, Serena Williams and Venus Williams have done so much, and Billie Jean King. And there's so many female tennis players who've really done so much for women's sports. Um, you know, I know the women's soccer team obviously does really well, um, but I think there's still more to come. Like the, the WNBA, I you know I think it's great, but I don't know if it's as popular as it should be. Um, you know, I think female athletes are getting paid more like Naomi Osaka, I think makes a ton of money. Um, but I think we still have a lot more to go. Yeah, I, I was certainly a Title IX, you know, grew up in the age of Title IX. And, um, and I, I honestly didn't participate in, well, I, I played volleyball in high school, um, but didn't think of myself as an athlete back then. Um, and and certainly things have absolutely changed. I'm with Philip, but lots, lots has changed. Um, and there's so many more opportunities. It's wonderful to go to track meets and see all the support that they get from Coach Ireland and, and folks like that. Um, but, I, but in the greater wild world of professional sports, so certainly we're not there yet. During my time at Columbia, the incredible support from the university alumni and parents has helped us make great strides in the resources we've been able to provide our student athletes in and out of competition. We do not want to lose that momentum during this unprecedented year. With that in mind, I'm excited to announce the launch of the One Roar campaign for athletics. For this year only, the One Roar Fund will replace all sports-specific fundraising. By bringing our alumni and parent communities together, 
we can truly do something exceptional for past, present, and future Columbia Lions. In these times where reduced revenues and increased fiscal pressure are the new normal, the money raised during this campaign will support each of our 700 plus student athletes from all 31 sport programs, as well as the administrative units that support our teams. Your past investments in our athletic programs have been critical to our success, and I hope we can rely upon you to help our entire department through these challenging times. Be safe and go Lions. For more information and to make a gift, please visit GoColumbiaLions.com backslash one world. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. Maybe this is a good way to introduce again our two current student athletes on the call: uh, senior Kelsey Farkas from the field hockey team and junior Sydney Scott from the track and field team. You know, you, you bring up Title IX, and you know, in, in at least maybe in my view, you know, the, the student athletes of now and the student athletes that maybe from the last 10, 15 years are a product of Title IX and having those opportunities at such a young age to be able to to compete competitively in their sport uh, through through elementary school, middle school, high school, to have those opportunities to be able to play collegiately. Uh, so Kelsey and Sydney, uh, thank you for joining us. Kelsey, I want to start with you. Can you kind of just, uh, you know, we may have asked you this question on another podcast before, but uh, kind of just run us through uh, your journey as a female athlete, kind of when it started for you and how we, how we got to where you are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for having me. So I started playing sports like ever since I was younger. Um, I did a variety of sports. Like I played basketball, soccer. I ran cross country and track and field. And then I picked up field hockey when I was in fifth grade. Um, and kind of I decided between field hockey and lacrosse were like my two main sports. And I ultimately decided I want to go to college for field hockey and play um, somewhere competitively, but also go to a really good academic school. So that's kind of where in the recruiting process, Columbia um, spoke to me. And it was kind of always my top choice. I went to all the camps and clinics and ultimately worked out that that was where I was going to get to go to school. Um, and now I'm a senior. So I've had three years of playing. So our, our season was canceled last fall, but I actually took off last semester. So I do have the opportunity to come back to Columbia next fall and play my last year, hopefully. And Sydney, I'll kind of throw that same question to you. Like, could you just kind of tell everybody where your sports journey began and you know, how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also grew up playing sports and I think a really big part of that was my dad worked in sports and he absolutely loved sports. So I, um, I grew up in a very competitive household and I just immediately fell in love with any and everything that had to do with running around outside. Um, so when I was younger, I danced, um, I did Taekwondo, I played soccer. Um, and as I got older, soccer became my main sport. Um, and I played club and I was, I played for my high school. 
Um, and essentially how track happened is my freshman year of high school, um, I, we were required to play a sport. And so I didn't know what to do in the spring. And so I decided to try it out. I'd never done it before. And I ended up doing the long jump and the triple jump on the recommendation of my coach. And I fell in love with it. Um, and I actually, I actually ended up coming to Columbia because I started going to clinics very late in the recruiting process. I was sort of literally straddling being recruited for soccer and then for track. And I ended up meeting my coach the summer before my senior year of high school and um, at, a, at a clinic. And he told me to come by sometime. And my sister at the time was a student at Barnard. So um, on a visit, I, I decided to stop by the, the, the athletic office and I just absolutely ended up falling in love with Columbia. So track sort of, it, my whole family was very surprised. They'd watched me at soccer games all my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of like, did you, you know, did you say that wrong? Are you sure you're not going to school for soccer? Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got here. That's and you cool. mentioned your you mentioned your father and I, I'm just going to ask you one question, you know, for people listening to this podcast, I just feel like out of respect, uh, if they don't know, they should know your father is the late Stuart Scott, a uh, longtime ESPN personality. Oh. And so the the uh, one question I want to ask you about your father is um, how much of an impact did he have uh, specifically on your sports journey? Yeah, and I would say just huge. I think one one question that a lot of people ask me is, you know, like was he very different at home and everything? And I would say that out of everyone that I know, there's there's no one I've ever met in my life that loved sports in the way that he loved sports. The athleticism, the skill, the intelligence, all of that. And um, you know, it was sort of this running joke that people would say, you know, don't you wish you had sons, like, so you could throw the football around and all of that. And never, because that is exactly what we did anyway. And I think one of the most important things was just that he had, he had a respect and, and reverence for female athletes that didn't even stand out to me ever because it was so commonplace. He, you know, he met and had the opportunity to interview just absolutely incredible athletes at the top of their game. And he would come home and, and talk about Serena Williams and and talk about the women's the women's soccer team and it just um it, it legitimized women's sports in a way that i didn't notice it for so long that it was something that was you know that that isn't as common or or as as celebrated and so i'm i'm so grateful for it because i grew up with all of the you know all of the competitiveness um and that was it was just a huge outlet for that and there was never a question about whether or not I had validity as an athlete. Um, so, you know, I was, I was never really a female athlete in my, in my household or with him. I was, I was just an athlete and, and he loved it. I appreciate you taking the time to reflect back and answer that question for us. Uh, throwing it back to Kelsey um, and I, I'm going to come back to you, Sydney, as well. Uh, can you, can you first, a similar question I've asked to Philippa and Ari, but uh, can you talk about the, the, the female role models that you've had uh, in your life that have kind of shaped you into who you are? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think um, I've had a ton of female role models. I think in the past couple of years, my coaches, especially um, at Columbia, I've had two, our coach left like after my junior year. So I think um, having like the role models of my coaches and seeing what they've been able to do through sport and just outside of it, I think it's been really crucial to my development as a person and as an athlete. Um, I think additionally, I also went to an all girls high school. So I definitely had a lot of role models um, when I was in high school that were mainly female. And I think that kind of shaped my worldview. And at Columbia, I've had a lot of different experiences and getting chances to go to events for Columbia College Women has been really important and a unique opportunity that I didn't think I would have. Um, so I think definitely over the course of my time, I've really 
formed good relationships with people and I'm hopefully looking to continue doing that once I graduate. You have a, oh, you have a rare opportunity of getting to play for a coach who went to the Olympics. There are so many, I feel like, because professional women's sports is not as prolific as men's professional sports, it seems as if, if you're not the best of the best of the best and you're not going to the Olympics, then a lot of people say, well, you know, why, why bother, right? Like you're not mm -hmm. getting free tuition and getting a scholarship to go to college. Like why, why Columbia, right? And I think it's pretty awesome that you got firsthand experience with somebody who went to the Olympics and, and was top of, of the game for the sport you participated in. Yeah, definitely. I think Caroline, um, she was my former coach and I think she's like a huge influence and will continue to be once I graduate. Like I still keep in touch with her. Um, like not even off the field, I think she's just a great person to get to know and her experiences at that level, getting to play at the Olympics multiple times has been incredible for, I think our team just to learn from that and see like where it can take you. Um, and I was definitely sad when she left, but I think also she did leave like a really big impact on our program. And I think we're going to hopefully continue to see that once um, we get to play again. And then uh, I kind of want to throw it, I want to throw it back to Sydney. And Sydney, I know you talked about your father as a role model, but uh, who have been the, the female role models that have kind of powered you through? Um, so my answer to this question always, um, always has to be Megan Rapinoe. Um, I grew up watching her play. Um, and I think what was really impactful to me about that experience of, of growing up in this generation of being able to watch the best, you know, the best women's, the best women's team for the sport that I played in addition to, you know, sort of generations past um, is the fact that she was, you know, obviously an incredible athlete, but there were so many, there were so many, um, there was so much conviction that she had for the values that were important to her um, and are, I don't know why I'm speaking in the past tense. Um, so I, I also, I also went to an all girls school for high school. So I'm in CC now, but I, I had my, I had my four years as well. Um, and I remember that one of the most special parts about that was that our athletic program went through huge development while I was there. So, you know, the soccer team, the year before I got there, the year before I got there, the record, I think they won two games, lost 13, tied maybe one. And by the time I left, we had won the, we'd won our league championship. Um, and so there was a huge amount of development that was put into the athletic department. And it was just really incredible because all of that development went only to women's sports because those were the only options. And I remember um, I played club as well. And we played one of the best teams in our league for high school. And the women's team was sort of just like a dirt pitch. There was barely any grass. The field was, you know, it just, it wasn't taken care of. There wasn't, there, there clearly wasn't a lot of, of money or investment put into it. And I played at the same school for my club team. And when we played for my club team, we played on the men's field, which was turf stadium lights, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. And so I think that a lot of what Megan Rapino advocates for in terms of equity between men and women for sports is is so important. And and it just really it really that opportunity really opened my eyes to what those disparities look like, especially when there just isn't value put on women's sports in the way that they should be. And so again, very, very grateful for my for my all girls education um, and for the opportunity to to um, to have a lot of again investment and value placed on on our sports programs and, and on women's athleticism. And you mentioned that you know 
the the inequalities and you know in men's and women's sports between the two and you know it's it's at the professional level it's at the it, it happens at the collegiate level but it also as you just mentioned happens at the lower levels uh, as you're as you're growing up which may kind of prevent uh, female athletes from having the best experience or as great of, a, of an experience as you should as they should so can you kind of just hit on a little bit more of the details of that and what you think needs to completely, what you think still needs to continue to change in order uh, to kind of get rid of those inequalities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the field that I was just talking about, that was the best girls team in, this, in, the, in the entire league. They, you know, they were winning championships consistently. So it's not as though the lack of funding came from a lack of performance. You know, there just was genuinely such a stilted investment in those two areas. And I think um, I, I, I have, you know, I have a lot of opinions about, about women's sports and, and gender equity. Um, it's obviously been really, really exciting to watch all of these new movements for pay equity. You know, the women's sports team, um, the, the World Surf League just mandated that all prize, like all prize competitions have to be equal. Um, tennis, obviously. But I really, I think that a lot of times when those conversations come up, what people will refer to is the idea that you know you can standardize salary to a certain degree, but there is also so much money from sponsorships, from ad revenue, from from media appearances, all that kind of stuff, and it and it oftentimes feels like that is framed as the end of the conversation, where it's like, well, there you know, there's nothing you can do about all of these extra things. But for me, the reality of it is that that's an addendum, and that's that's a comma to this conversation, where it's like, why is it that we don't value? Why why are we not entertained by women's sports? Like, why don't we think that their athleticism and their skill and their talent is impressive. Like why, why is there such a discrepancy in the amount of money that female athletes can make on sponsorship deals versus male athletes? Um, and so, you know, I think, I think in terms of, of pay equity, I think that's super important, but I also think it is a huge conversation about the way we view the legitimacy of women's sports. Um, and I think that there is a long way to go in valuing women's athletics at the, in, in the same way that we value men's athletics. And kind of following up on that, and this, you know, Kelsey or uh, Philip or Ari, you can feel free to chime in on this. But uh, what what do you what is, what is it that you feel that the general public like the misconception is about about women's sports? Like you know, maybe maybe, and you know, I, I'm generalizing here, but you know, uh, there's some people in the general public who would say, well, I don't know, I just can't get into it, right? I don't know, I just uh it just doesn't do it for me like what 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 do you think that misconception is and what do you think it is that there needs to change their mindset i tend to think it's around it's the same thing that um this sort of implicit or unconscious bias um that we think of men typically as being stronger you know more exciting to watch it's um it's you know, I, I, I always thought the women's basketball game was such a prettier game than the guys game for, for you know, um, and women, women soccer players are just as great, you know, on the field as men's men's soccer players. Um, they don't fight. They don't, you know, there's no, um, there's not quite the same kind of, you know, people doing things on the field that are, um, you know, I think in many of our professional sports, people are looking for, um, uh, conflict on the field, as opposed to um, what women are tend to be looking to compete and win, right? Um, in in a way that um, makes them feel good, and um, it's just it's, it's a different approach to sport, frankly. Um, and I think it's just a different, often a different way. I mean, but in track and field, you're running. It's, it's there's really no reason for there to be a difference between the way a a, a, um, a race should be, um, you know, awards for a race or or money, you know, given it for. Um, 
races should be any different from a guy from a woman and women are getting closer in terms of race times anyway. So I think over time that will change, but um, I think it's literally a sort of unconscious or implicit bias um, on the I part of watchers. Sorry, I was gonna say, I think it's also a little bit of a generational thing as well. I have um, triplet boys who are 19 and they know who all the top female athletes are. They will watch women's mm -hmm. sports and they'll enjoy it. So I think it just may take some time. Hopefully the next generation will, you know, gets it. Yeah, another 20, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's clearly come a long way and you, and you see that, you know, from my perspective, working in a communications department and working in media, you know, you, you see more and more uh, professional women's sports, collegiate women's sports on television. Right. And then people watch it for the first time. Like for instance, you know, growing up, I was born, I was of age myself, not that old, but I was born in uh, 1989 and uh, I remember in, it was either the late 90s or the early 2000s when I first saw college so softball, uh, when they, when they uh, ESPN started airing the Women's College World Series and the Women's College Softball Tournament on ESPN. And I would sit there and watch it with my father. And it was the greatest thing to me. And, and again, it's, it's, it might just be that it's generational where, you know, I, as, a, as a child, I have, no, I have no bias. I just watch this and I think, oh, this is amazing. This is, this is awesome. I love, I love watching college softball. It's such a, you know, and for a lot of people and, you know, the, the softball game, is, it, go, it moves a little bit faster, you know? It's, it's a little bit quicker. It's a little bit more faster tempo, easier to watch than, you know, I, I, a lot of people complain about baseball because the game will take three or four hours. But yeah, I was gonna say uh, you have you have to convince marketers and people that are supporting um, where the money is, um, and that's still a pretty much uh, male-dominated world. We're we're moving a little bit incrementally down that road. But I'm I'm a lawyer. I when I was in law school, fifty percent of the women in law school were um, were women. Um, in in the number of women lawyers uh, partners in law firms today are still about the same percent, twelve percent, something like that. It's not gone up in in nearly thirty five years since I went to law school. So. Um, we have a, we have a, a long way to go, but so it's where the money is, <laughs> it's yeah. where I, where I'll go with that. Oh, I was going to say, do you, do you think, um, I feel like on a sport by sport basis that some sports do better than others in terms of, uh, pay equity, gender, equ gender equity, just across the board. Right. Uh, Philippa, you brought up women's tennis before, mm -hmm. you know, and, and maybe this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like in the tennis world, like men's and women's tennis, at least to me, there's not really a, like a difference to me, like as a spectator, right? In the excitement and in the, in how much people care and how much people like, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I just, I feel like, I feel like tennis has done, uh, is just one example of a sport that has done such a tremendous job leveling the, leveling the playing field, I guess, if that's the right terminology to use, right? Uh, so why do you think that is and uh, how do you think that it can continue to grow for the other sports? Yeah, I guess also tennis is a global sport, like everyone across the world knows how to play tennis and I think they can relate to it. And I think, you know, Venus and Serena, I think have done an, an unbelievable job of raising the profile of women's tennis. And I think people, when you go to the US Open, there are people who'd rather go see Serena than some of the, the male players. I mean, I think just because she is so unbelie unbelievably good and probably, you know, the best that there's ever been, I think that helps. Um, and I think tennis has been like a money sport and, you know, it has had like a lot of corporate sponsorship. Like you, if you go to the US Open, there are lots of corporate sponsors there. So I think that's part of it as well. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think you definitely have a point in terms of it being a global sport and being in you know because you know you you look at soccer and you look at that as uh, in the uh, you know the women's World Cup and how much popularity the women's World Cup has gained over the last twenty I'll go I'll go with twenty years but probably even more than that and I know uh, you know the USA winning it in the in the nineties uh, did a, did a lot for women's soccer in the United States but it's definitely been growing all over the world. <laughs> JAG-1 Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG-1 team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jag1pt.com, that's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T.com for more information. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Alliance. I want to have uh, our current student-athletes uh, engage with our Barnard alumni. Um, so Kelsey and Sydney, I kind of just want to open it up to you two to, to ask questions of Philippa and Ari, and it could be about anything. It could be about their time at, Barn at Barnard, their time as a female athlete, uh, maybe something they talked about before in this podcast that you kind of want them to expand on a little more, something that hit home with you. So I'll just kind of open it up to the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean, this is, this is a little related to the topic that we were just talking about, but I think one of the things that interested me a lot was when you said that the fact that both of you walked on to the teams. Um, and I think that that whole idea just really is exciting to me because I think one of the, one of the challenges that I experienced growing up playing sports was that if I was going to go and play pickup somewhere with, you know, whoever is there, I always felt a lot of pressure to not take risks because if I miss a pass once, there's a good chance that they're not, I'm not going to get it. The ball is not going to go back to me for the rest of the game. Like I'm not going to get another chance. And I remember growing up, you know, watching boys play and, and figure out how to do bikes and crossbar challenges. And, and the really amazing thing was that they could, you know, spectacularly fail and still get another opportunity to try again, because culturally, you know, there, there are those gender dynamics when we talk about sports. And so I think one of the, one of the biggest things that I've seen is like holding me back and, and holding back other female athletes is this hesitancy to, to pursue risks and to try new things because of the, you know, because of the, the disproportionate risk in what happens at, as a result of those those um, you know those failings, and so I just love to hear more about why you guys decided to start playing. Um, and I know you again. I know you spoke to it a little bit, but I would just I would just love to hear more about how you made that decision to sort of you know take the plunge and try something new. Yeah. I well, you know, I didn't even start playing tennis until I was 13. My brother was one of those guys who, you know, played baseball, played, he wound up being a tennis player and he's younger than me. And then I took it up. And so I started kind of late and it just kind of fell into place. And I don't even know if it was part of my plan. I just, I don't know what possessed me, but I just went and tried out. And then I knew as soon as I did that it was the right thing for me to do because I just loved the whole camaraderie and I loved all the women that I met. Um, you know, it was D3 back then, you know, would I have tried to walk on to a D1? Maybe I would have, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but it was definitely one of the best decisions I ever made. And um, 
you know, things were different back then. Like, you know, women being recruited for sports wasn't as much of a big deal as it is now. I mean, I think that opportunity wasn't as large as it is right now. I mean, it's much better the way it is um, right now, so. Yeah, my, my answer, Sydney, is a little closer to yours. I grew up in a family where my dad encouraged my brother to play soccer and do institute baseball. Um, and I would go to my dad, my brother's baseball games and join his, our neighborhood um, bunch of guys. And I would like pitch, you know, softball and they would, you know, I sort of had that opportunity growing up wanting to participate, but not really feeling like I, it was like I said, title nine years. Um, but I started running or what I would call jogging with another young woman in, in high school um, and sort of enjoyed that and played and played volleyball. That was the that was the safest sport I could think of um, where I couldn't fall on my face, so to speak. Um, but it was fun. I did I did uh, four years um, JV and then varsity uh, volleyball. But when I got to Barnard, I was it was all focused on um on, on college and doing the, the studying, um, but but I ran in Riverside Park regularly, um, and we had to take uh, athletic. We had to take a PE class, um, and I credit Kate Moore, who was teaching me to serve a. Re I was a regular sort of um, athletic class. I don't know, general general class, and uh, she came up to me one day during um, one of our practice or you know, whatever we were doing, and she's like, "Do you want to? Have you ever run hurdles?" <laughs> like. I don't know, like maybe in high school, you know, um, she's like, you want to come out for the track team? And, you know, I, I was, I've like said yes, um, because I, I really did actually want to compete and nobody ever asked me. Right. Um, and so I, I went down and um, joined the track um, practice that spring um, almost instantly got injured. Um, but <laughs> I did do, I did do at least one hurdle race and completely embarrassed myself. And then she put me in the half mile, and I ran it in something like three minutes. And she's like, well, you know, maybe you should just be running. <laughs> and so I started um, training that year, uh, that summer before I went into my junior year. And, and I would say, I, this was one of the reasons I, um, I built up my confidence over the year because just somebody asking me to do something what, where I was, I, it wasn't like I was dying to do it, but given the opportunity, I really, I wanted to do it. Um, and I am very competitive. You know, we play Scrabble in my family for like, you know, the big bucks, <laughs> but, um, but, but it's something I've learned over time. It, you, if you ask people often, you never, you never know unless that they might be willing to do something. And I, I always think of this when I see Philippa, because unless you ask people for money, they don't give it to you, right? So as we're raising money <laughs> for Barnard and, and for Columbia even, um, and athletics, it, it's a matter of asking sometimes. Um, and I have a, uh, I was asked, and I really wanted to start a scholarship um, at Barnard. And um, when they, um, and we figured out a way to do it when I was quite young. Uh, and it, it goes to a, um, a varsity athlete uh, at Barnard. And so I feel really wonderful about that because it's an opportunity again, somebody asked me and I, I really, really wanted to do something and that was the way I could do it. So um, it, it's a great question, thank you. That's, that's really cool. I feel like, you know, that just speaks so much to how important that opportunity is. You know, you think yeah. of how many women probably and girls wanted to, you know, would have and wanted to, you know, just really enjoyed sports and thrived in it. And, and without the opportunity, it um, it doesn't happen. So, yeah. Thank well, you. My, my mother will say she didn't really do sports, but when I was running, she joined me. She started running, doing a, a couple, did a couple 10Ks with me at 10 yeah. minute miles, not, you know, six minute miles, but it was really inspiring for her. So really cool. anyway, even at 50. <laughs> so. Penny, I think something that you, you mentioned earlier resonated with me, um, this idea that um, women tend to be risk adverse um, or like less willing to to try something when when failure is 
potentially inevitable. Um, it reminds me of a time. So as I would assume all of you women feel uh, for your 17th birthday, you've always wanted a set of golf clubs. Um, <laughs> I received from my father that year. Um, we went golfing one time and I've never golfed before in my life and you know, made a fool of myself. My brother was mortally embarrassed and never wanted to golf with me again. So I was fully discouraged from ever participating in it again. And now that I work in fundraising, as we all know, golf is a thing that precedes all ages. Anybody, anybody, any age can, can play golf um, and have realized that it's probably an asset to my career to learn golf. Um, so I have taken upon myself to invest in myself, my career, and pick up a sport that is any gender can play, um, but is, is definitely prevalent in, in the community of people that I work with. Um, and I tell this because I recently had a male friend um, find out that his wife is pregnant and he said, I value your friendship and your strong morals. And I, what would be like one piece of advice you would have for me having a daughter? And I was like, encourage her to pursue all athletic activities. Any, anything she might have a slight interest in, encourage her to pursue to the fullest. Like don't hold back because of any sort of, like try not to make financial barriers, understanding that's potentially a case, but you don't wanna be the person she looks back on and says like, I didn't do that because my dad didn't really encourage it. And like, that would be my best advice. I don't know if any of you four ladies have advice that you would give any dad who's going to have a daughter um, in their life. Yeah, I just think you're right. I think it to be supportive um, of whatever sport they're playing. And even if success doesn't come right away, not to give up because people mature at different ages. And I think, um, you know, just to be a supportive dad, I think that I think that's great. And, you know, expose them to as many sports as you can at an early age and then let them decide when they get older and let them feel like it's their decision, not the parents' decision. Sometimes the parents push you towards, you know, I was a soccer player. I want my daughter to be a soccer player. But, let, you know, maybe she's a better track star, you know. So I think let them kind of find their own path. I think it's the same advice you give any any parent, um, which is to be there for your you know your your daughter or son. Really, I mean, I remember my dad coming to my volleyball games at you know away away meets. Right, I mean that was he just sat there in the stands. Right, that's all I needed to know that he was there supporting me, um, even if I didn't play well that day. It really didn't matter. Take this with a grain of salt because I do not have any children, so I have no expertise. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> <Not yet>. <laughs> But I think one thing that I would think about is, is trying to like value and legitimize some of the emotions that come along with playing sports that we don't typically value in women. Um, because I remember growing up, it was something where it was great, you know, if I won and I was excited, that's fantastic. But I remember, you know, if I lost and I was angry and I was frustrated and I, you know, all of, all of, the, all of the dynamic the dynamic emotions that come along with playing sports. I think that some of them are, are a little prettier and more exciting and, and look nicer. And I think that a lot of times what I experienced is that there wasn't a ton of space for me to be angry in the same way that, you know, when 
you know, when somebody like I, I played softball for a short period of time, I never broke a bat or anything like that. But I remember there was a time that I was playing softball, like in a in a park and and one of the you know, one of the boys that was there, he got mad, he broke a bat and everyone's kind of justified that under the grounds that, you know, sports is it's an intense thing and emotions run high and, and that that's kind of how it works. And I remember I, I, it wasn't, no one broke a bat there, but I remember, I forget, I think it might've been a racket for tennis, something like that. And the response to that, again, just in like a little community park, the response to that was, you know, like she needs to get that in check and she needs to keep her emotions under control and, 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 you know, and it, it's not flattering and things like that. And so, you know, in, in all of the encouragement of like, you know, get out there and play sports is, is also, you know, to, to make space for all of the things that come along with it, even if those aren't you know, those aren't the reactions and the and the qualities that we that we usually ascribe to women. I think it's a very good point. Very good point. Because especially in tennis, I mean, you can be cheated pretty easily, you know, and you have to, you know, you've got to be tough to be successful. So I mean in any sport. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I think also something that's been important to me is just like kind of making the most of like the opportunities that I have. And I think my parents have allowed me to do that. Um, and I think even like off the field, I think the relationships I've built like through sports, like they'll continue to be like my forever friends, like most people that I've met. Um, and that's been something that's important to me. And I think as a child, like my all three of my siblings, we've all been taught, like make the most of the relationships you have. And I think through sports, it's been a huge part of my life. Me too. Yeah. For sure. Well, I think at this point, uh, I kind of want to reverse the roles a little bit. I know we had uh, Sydney and Kelsey kind of, we opened up the floor for them to ask uh, Philippa and Ari some questions, but and I know we've had some, you know, conversation back and forth, but Philippa and Ari, I mean, now you've gotten to know Kelsey and Sydney uh, a little bit more. Is there anything else you wanted to ask them uh, kind of about their journey or, or their life up until now? So. I was just going to say, is there anything that you would like to see more from female alums, female athletic alums? Like, is there more that we could be doing for you in terms of mentorship, uh, networking? I mean, I think there's a lot of that in place and, you know, Columbia does an amazing job with it. Um, but just curious if there's anything else you'd like to see. I think I've done like some of the um, events that we've had, like Columbia College Women. I know that's like not specifically sports, but I've like gone to some of those events and those have been helpful. I think just in general with the athletics community, like it's been really helpful to network with people that are graduates of my program. And like I've talked to some other people as well, graduates of other programs. But I think that's something that I think even more continuing to like promote that is important. I think making those kind of like professional connections outside of Columbia, people are always willing to help. Like I had an interview the other day and someone was a swimmer and a diver that interviewed me from Columbia. So it's like a small world. Um, so I think just continuing to enhance those and kind of provide student athletes now with those kind of opportunities has been important to me and could continue to be important. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I first of all, I think, um, I think you guys do it a really incredible job. You know, there are so many opportunities. I could, you know, I, I have, I could tell you similar stories about, you know, getting to get in touch with someone who is a part of the athletic department and, and that being a really meaningful connection. Um, yeah, I think, I think networking is important also because, you know, we, we, we talked about pay inequity and all of that, but, you know, I think sometimes there is definitely a deterrence to pursuing sports because it's a huge commitment and a lot of time, not a lot of times and not always, but, you know, for men, there is a certain degree to which this is, you know, this is an option that might result in a career, you know, like this is something that you can make money off of if you pursue it. Um, and I think the lack of the lack of 
incentive to take on all of that, you know, all of that responsibility and all of those hours and, you know, all of the pain and everything like that. I think um, knowing that not only does it result obviously in the great things about sports that we all know and love, but that you're not, um, you're not setting yourself up for failure by investing in something that you love um, because they're, you know, they're sort of, you know, and in, in the future, there there is a way that that will return to you and, and be a solution because, you know, sports are sports can still be really inaccessible economically to people. And so, you know, the opportunity to know that this is something that is for me and my health and my mental health and all of that, but also, you know, also an investment in my future and, and something that is valuable in multiple ways um, is really important. So I again, I think I think it's you guys do a really great job. I have, a, I have a question for you guys. Um, you were both doing sports before you got to Columbia, and, and you certainly knew when you what you what what you thought you were going to expect. Um, did, was there something surprising or unexpected that you've had in your college experience um, that you didn't anticipate, but through athletics? Other than COVID shutting it down. Yeah, no, that that <laughs> doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. I really feel bad for you guys. I do, but. We all are in that boat, so. Or you could take a different way. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest changes was that in addition to like going to college in New York City, I'm from a small town, um, was that I was changing sports as well. So I, you know, I grew up very, very comfortable and familiar with the dynamics of soccer, with the dynamics of going to, to tournaments and everything like that. And so it was a huge shift, especially to shift to such an individual sport. Um, and so I think that I think that it's provided a lot of learning opportunities for me to grow and learn about myself. Um, I think very specifically just with, with the sport that I do and with the event that I do, it's so, it's, it's extremely technical. Um, and so it was, it was really, really valuable for me to grow into a new understanding of what competitiveness and what competition and what drives me feels like because I think with soccer there's there's a kind of physicality to it where there you know there's some scenarios obviously it's it's also very you know it's very technical but there's some scenarios where it's like I, I want it more than her and I, I showed up today and I wanted it more and I beat her to that ball and I refused to lose and and I could find a lot of momentum and drive from that idea and with track you know, it kind of, it doesn't really matter if I'm more passionate per se, like it really does matter like what my practices looked like and, and what, you know, what, like all of these factors that I hadn't really, that I hadn't always paid as much attention to and I hadn't always needed to center in my understanding of sports. I think it's been really interesting to try and figure out where my passion is and like where my competitive spirit, like where that outlet exists in a sport that's so, so short, you know, I, I take one, one jog <laughs> down the runway and that's, you know, that's all I do for the day. Um, so that's been a really, and it, you know, and it applies to other parts of my life as well. So that's, that's been a really, really um, incredible learning opportunity. Yeah, I would just say for me, I think um, a lot of like the leadership opportunities that I've been given at like through Columbia has been really important. And I think helpful in my development as a person and like as a member of my team. Um, I think recently Kate Miller came to Columbia and she's been really beneficial with the success through well-being team. And I think that's been something that I wasn't expecting to have um, in addition to my field hockey time. But I think through like the leadership initiative and being a leader on my own team, I think that's something that's been a challenge for me but also a really cool way to like express myself and I think through COVID and the pandemic it's been a lot harder to lead a team with like no kind of sighted end to when we're going to play but I think that's also like kind of enhanced our opportunities to find new ways to be 
good leaders and good teammates to one another. Um, so I think that's been really important coming from high school to college. Something that was brought up earlier that I want to touch on, um, Sydney, you said, you know, you, you, you played multiple sports in high school and you, you know, eventually had to kind of put soccer behind you to pursue track while you, when you came to Columbia. And I feel like this day and age, there's more and more female athletes uh, that are multi-sport athletes in high school and then even have the opportunity to pursue different sports once they kind of, you know, gives them, gives them more options once they get to college in terms of what team they're going to play for or potential scholarships or, or things of that nature. So I know we talked about the importance of uh, pursuing all of your opportunities, uh, but at, at what point as a, as a female athlete, do you have to like weigh like what, okay, weigh your options and say, okay, should I keep playing both sports uh, or should I just focus on one and you know, what goes into that decision-making process? Yeah, that is that is right up my alley because that was pretty much my whole life for you know senior senior year of, of high school figuring out what I was going to like where I was going to go to college what sport it was going to be, um, and part of part of what went into that decision is that I actually I had a knee injury my senior my when was it I had a I had a knee injury my senior year of high school, um, and so it was a really big conversation with my mom because there it was a teammate of mine who tore one ACL you know, had her surgery, rehabbed, came back and then tore her other ACL and she stopped playing soccer after that. And it was, you know, just absolutely devastating. Um, and so that was a really hard conversation I had with my mom about the fact that she was, you know, she didn't really want me to be playing a contact sport anymore. And all of a sudden there was this lovely, no contact sport option, you know, just put on the table for us. Um, and so basically what happened is that I, I hadn't, I hadn't really looked at Columbia much truthfully because I'd visited with my sister and I found the city overwhelming and I, you know, I, I didn't even really put it on my list. Um, and I didn't really think about it at all until I talked, until I met my coach that, that summer before senior year. Um, and so I didn't actually ever end up in the recruiting process for soccer at Columbia. I did at a couple of other schools. Um, and so when I decided to commit to Columbia, I talked to my soccer coach and he said, you know, I know that I know the soccer coach at Columbia, and if you want, I I can talk to her, and and you know you can you can probably walk on, and and you can continue to play soccer in college, um, and that that was a really really hard decision because you know soccer is just my first love, you know, really you know just very integral to who I am as a person, and so I had this opportunity to to continue doing it, um, and I I decided not to and. It, again, really hard decision. And I think it mostly just came down to the fact that I wanted to be able to pursue everything that I was pursuing with the entirety of my, you know, of my energy and of my commitment. Um, and, you know, starting a new school as a freshman, starting college, all of that, I was worried that, you know, if I tried to play two sports and, you know, figure out my academics and figure out what I want to do with my life and, and all of those big questions that I wasn't going to be able to commit to all of it with, you know, with, with, with the fullest conviction. And so, um, yeah, that's it. I think, I think it's, it, that's as important a conversation as any when we talk about women's sports is, is, you know, you encourage and you, you give opportunities and all of those things. And then it's true that eventually a lot of, a lot of times it comes down to a really hard decision. And so I do, I do think that's a really valuable conversation to have, especially, you know, when we think about these, these conversations that we've had today about risk and about, you know, and about trying new things and, and all of that. I think, I think that's a really valuable component of this conversation. 
And uh, Ari, you said you played volleyball as well. You brought that up a couple times, and I don't. Maybe I should know, but I don't know. Did you play it collegiately as well, and then uh, have to switch, or you 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 made the decision before you? No, I yeah, I, I like Sydney. I I well, not quite the same, but I decided not to do a sport when I got there, and and, and I, I I um it was not something I wanted to commit to right away. I, what I did do was um, I made some money um, being a, a, a ref on games on, you know, club games and stuff like that. So it was sort of keeping my, my volleyball connections, my uh, roommate, not my roommate, one of the women across the, um, the, uh, the way for me in my dorm was on the volleyball team. So I am like, I'm not her level. You know, she was from California, you know, I'm like, Oh, I made the right decision. I'm totally not athletic. This is not me. Um, but that's why I kept running. Um, I did, it was a little lack of confidence in me as an athlete. Um, even though I, you know, played tennis with my family, biked and, you know, did, all, did have all those sort of athletic things, but being on a team and being on a, um, a collegiate team seemed to me, uh, you know, yet another step ahead that I was not capable of. And the wonderful thing was being asked and, and finding it division three. I was, I was, I, I ran um, the top 25 or something at um, the championships in Cortland, Sydney Cortland in my junior year. Um, I was, like I said, not very competitive at the, uh, at the Ivy level, but um, being a part of a team and being successful in my own right um, was a really big confidence booster um, for me personally. Um, and I, and I, I, it's again, why I want to encourage young women who are in varsity athletics to keep doing it. And I know I've had, um, I think I've had 10 or at least 10 young women have, have my scholarship and I get to meet them. And some of them have stopped athletic, you know, stopped the team after a couple of years because they've been doing like you guys been doing athletics their entire lives and maybe club sports. And one of the young women was a, was a swimmer and she'd been doing it since she was, you know, getting up for early morning practices since she was like five. Right. Um, and I get it by the time you're a junior in college, maybe that's something, if you're not going to, you know, be an Olympic swimmer, maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Um, and she felt really bad about dropping out, but also sort of committing to college. Um, and I sort of did it the other way. I started with college and then went into athletics, but I found it really gave me, uh, helped me uh, focus on my studies. Um, I made Dean's List my senior year. Nobody does that, right? <laughs> um, so it, it really helped me become more rounded as a person, more focused as a person. And that, that's really where I feel, um, I just think it's an important part of any person's life. And I certainly support it for women. Well, Maggie, um... You got anything else to uh, to add for these uh, four that we have? No, just that like I I wish it was Women's History Month every month so we could just have these conversations and that this could just be my full time job just hearing from amazing women about their experience um, because this is what I thrive on is like getting to hear from our alums and our student athletes about how sport has impacted their lives because I. I would be literally nowhere without sport. And it's obviously a huge part of my life and I've attempted to make a career out of it. So um, just thank you ladies for being a part of this today and a part of, of Columbia University and, and the greater alumni community for the rest of your lives because this was a decision you made at 17 that I hope you're still happy about when you're 87. Great, thank oh. you. Oh, I actually, I have, uh, can I say one more thing? No, of course. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I just remember this, I was reading about this. Um, so all of that stuff about, you know, media and sponsorships and everything. Um, Alex Morgan, Chloe Kim, Sue Bird and Simone Manuel actually just started a new media company called Together. And it's basically, I, I don't know much about it, but I, I, I think the announcement was literally on Tuesday. It's literally a media company um, about women's sports and for a platform for women's sports. And so, 
you know, so, so that, you know, we can, that, that can be maybe the, the you know, celebratory <laughs> part of this. Hopefully, hopefully I, I think that sounds incredible. And I, I I'm really oh, excited. Oh, it does. And uh, maybe one of you two, one day we'll start work. We'll be working for that company. That we're starting amazing. the competitor. Yeah, right. <laughs> now we're starting the competitor. There you yep. go. There you go. Well, uh, again, we do want to thank uh, Philip Portnoy, Ari Bros, Kelsey Farkas, and Sydney Scott for joining us. Uh, Maggie, uh, great first-time co-host. Uh, ah, tremendous job. Tremendous job. I'm coming back. She's coming back. You might see her on some more broadcasts. Uh, on some more broadcasts in the future. Um, so again, thank you to the four of you, and uh, we hope to talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Really enjoyed Thank it. Thanks you. so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Vorecast presented by JAG1 Physical Therapy. Uh, all episodes of The Vorecast air on Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Go Columbia Lions Twitch channel and then are posted to our YouTube channel, Columbia Athletics, at around 12 noon on Mondays. And they are also uploaded to anywhere you can listen to a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Anywhere you catch your podcast, you can catch The Vorecast on Mondays. So for Maggie Johnson, I'm Kyle Nutrition, and we will talk to you again next week.